Welcome to the wilderness. What do you picture when I say the word wilderness? I would guess that many of us have spent time hiking or camping in parks or in wilderness areas where we were out of reach of the usual supports that make up our daily life. Wilderness connotes a wild place, a place where there aren't paved roads or even very clearly maintained tracks, out of reach of phones and radio signals, a place where we have to carry along our food and be concerned about access to safe water, perhaps a place where we need to watch out for lions or tigers or bears, or at least snakes or porcupines, a place separated from everyday life where we can test ourselves where we run up against our limits. Our wildernesses might look very different from one another. Boundary waters, or glaciated peaks, or dense forest. But there are other wildernesses as well. Grief can feel like being in a wilderness. Or pain. Addiction can be a wilderness, the sense that there isn't a clear path, that you're wandering in a wasteland. Sometimes it feels like the division and conflict and ugliness in our national life is a wilderness. Or perhaps you envision scrub sagebrush and thorn bushes, dry rocks and bare sandy stretches, like the land on the east side of the Jordan River, where Jesus heads after his baptism. Just before this, in Luke chapter 3, Jesus has gone public. He's come to the Jordan River where John is baptizing. John's been preparing the way. John's told crowds that someone is coming who's greater than he is, someone who will bring a baptism of Holy Spirit, and a fire. Now Jesus has been baptized by John, and we're told the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and a voice proclaimed him God's Son, the Beloved, with whom God was well pleased. You'd think, after this inauguration and blessing, that Jesus would proceed directly into a campaign of preaching, at least make a speech, hold a rally with those crowds around the Jordan. But instead, we're told he takes off directly for the wilderness. And he's led there by the Holy Spirit, so it's no accident. For the people of God, the wilderness carries a formative memory. It's the place where they wandered for 40 years, where they were tempted to sin, but also where they met God, where they received God's law, where God cared for them, gave them water and food. The book of Deuteronomy is set in the wilderness, just across the Jordan, at the end of this 40 years of wandering the people are getting ready to move into the new settled land they've been promised. 
In Deuteronomy, Moses speaks to the people, reminding them what God has done for them and admonishing them to remain faithful. For God's people in Deuteronomy, the wilderness is a liminal space in between their existence as slaves and their new settled existence in a new land. For Jesus, it's a place apart from ordinary life, a place without distractions, a place where he can pray and ponder what his call from God means. And it's no accident that Jesus' time in the wilderness is described as 40 days to echo those important and formative 40 years of his people's history. Luke's story of these 40 days for Jesus focuses on his receiving three temptations. These aren't just any old temptations. They have implications for his ministry, for what kind of Messiah he will be. Jesus has been called and commissioned. He's received the Holy Spirit of God. He's been proclaimed God's son. But what will that mean? He knows that his people are looking for a Messiah who can bring them salvation. Jesus could be a Messiah who turns stones into bread, who provides food, economic salvation. He could be a Messiah who controls and rules over all the kingdoms of the world, who uses political and coercive power to make things come outright. He could be a Messiah who performs showy, miraculous acts that make everyone believe in and follow him. Economic power, political power, religious power, that's what Jesus is being tempted with. But Jesus resists these temptations. And I find it interesting that his responses are all verses from the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Moses' instructions to the people at the edge of the wilderness. To, make, to the temptation to make stones into bread, to take power by satisfying people's economic and material needs, Jesus responds with Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna, with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. To the temptation to, of political power over the whole world, of being a conquering Messiah with armies and military might, if he'll just bow down. Jesus responds with Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. The Lord your God you shall fear, and him alone you shall serve. 
and by his name alone you shall swear. To the temptation to gain religious power by a dramatic act in the middle of the temple, Jesus responds with Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massah. Jesus says no to these temptations to seize power, though they will keep returning in different forms through the rest of his ministry. Often, when I read the Bible, I find myself wondering what they left out. We have a bare-bones story here in Luke. We know the story of Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness as a story about him rejecting three temptations. But our Gospels don't tell us what else he did in those 40 days. What he chose to say yes to. They leave us to figure that out by looking at the rest of his ministry. In the book of Deuteronomy, God's people are reminded of their earlier failures to obey God. But they're also given instructions for how they should live when they're no longer in the wilderness. There, it was easy to remember their dependence on God's care. There was food, manna, every morning. There was direction, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. But the danger is that when they entered the settled land, when they can live in one place and they can grow their own food, they might forget who it is that actually satisfies their needs. They might think it's their own strength and labor that feeds them. And so, in the passage Nate read earlier in Deuteronomy 26, They're told to bring the first fruits of their fields and vineyards to God's house. And the liturgy there to repeat reminds them that without God, they would still be slaves. Without God, they wouldn't have these blessings of harvest. And then, I don't know if you noticed, they're to celebrate by holding a feast Deuteronomy 26, 11. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. They're to hold a feast. Together with who? The Levites, the people who don't have land, And the aliens, they're all to eat together. Not only the Levites, who are part of God's chosen people, but the aliens, the outsiders, are to be there too. Maybe during his 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus reflected on this message from Deuteronomy. Maybe he pondered the scriptures that call God's people to care for the vulnerable and the outsiders. Maybe for Jesus, the wilderness wasn't only a time of temptation, 
but also a time to focus positively on what kind of Messiah he would be. Maybe it was a time for him to ponder what it means to announce the kingdom of God and to envision how he would embody God's love for the poor and the outcast. Maybe the wilderness wasn't only a negative space. Maybe it was the kind of set-apart time and place that Jesus needed to strengthen him and motivate him and empower him to engage in his ministry. Today is the first Sunday of Lent, 40 days when we're invited into the wilderness with Jesus, 40 days in which we fast, perhaps not from food, though it could be that, but a time in which we are called to intentionally find ways to pull back from the usual patterns of our lives. In Lent, we're invited to a time of introspection and confession, a time of reflection on our own lives and how we express our loyalty to God. Like Jesus, the wilderness we enter in Lent may help us see directions we could go but choose not to. In Lent, we may become aware of our hunger and thirst. We may see our lives in a new light. This isn't always pleasant. If we approach Lent honestly as a time of testing and self-examination, we could find things we aren't so comfortable with, and 40 days could get pretty long. But maybe Lent can also be for us a gift, an intentional pause, a break from the noise and chaos around us, a space where we can reflect on what our lives in God should be and how we want to order our priorities. As our theme for this season notes, a blessed hunger. We enter this wilderness as Jesus did, with the confidence that the wilderness is the place where we can meet God. The wilderness is the place where we can rely on God's care. God does not forsake us in the wilderness. Indeed, Psalm 91, today's psalm, reminds us that God's love is unfailing. Those who love me I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. Lent's gift to us is not in the depth of our confession, but in the depth of God's eternal commitment to us. Welcome to the wilderness.